0: Hey, folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go, let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All righty, crowd funders. How is everybody doing out there? Before we get into today 's episode, I need everybody to realize this quickly and we 're only thirty seconds into this episode. But this is episode one hundred i'm i've I've blown myself away <laughs> i I honestly can't believe it. Um, so episode one hundred is here that 's a lot of episodes, and we 're going to keep this thing going because the feedback has been so overwhelming. So excite a lot of excitement out there from the from the um, crowdfunding community and I'm just I'm I'm really happy that uh, that you guys are enjoying what we're working on here. Uh, it's been an awesome awesome run up until this point and it's gonna keep getting better and better so, who is on today's episode? Who's on today's glorious episode? Probably one of the most remembered episodes in the history of, of podcasting. Who's on today? Well, we are talking to Adrian from the uh, Kickstarter campaign AirPack, and that has a Q at the end. And the reason I'm so giddy about this campaign is I, the reusability. So um, Adrian and his partners have designed um, backpacks that have been made from recycled airbags and seatbelts. Yeah, that's what I said, right? And you got to check these things out. Go right now. Go Google AirPac, A-I-R-P-A-Q. And these are really, really cool. And I love this the, um, of how Adrian was, um, how his college program pushed him into this. He's been working on it for a couple of years. He's bootstrapping. And they've come up with an awesome idea. And not only just an awesome idea, a great looking product. So we get into a whole bunch of topics on like sourcing material and, and, um, you know, how how to overcome your abilities when you're not very good at sewing. Adrian will talk a lot about that. So we hit on so many topics in this episode that I'm. I mean, frankly, I'm giddy that this is episode 100 because I think we went full circle around it. But, but that's not to, that, that's not to diss any of the other conversations. I mean, each one of them honestly have meant the world to me. I mean, I was just a minute ago as I was kind of reflecting before I got on here, just thinking about some of the last conversations over the last few months. I mean, you know, talking to uh, the uh, the pleco comp- you know pleco brand, um, the K-pop sauce guys, the Michael Mendez, right? You know. Um, God, ah, the Keen Bean, Bass Rock, Move Chair, Diversity, The Jewel. I mean, I've talked to some unbelievable project creators and unbelievable projects, and man, has it been inspiring. And, you know, kind of reflecting on, on this moment, you know, I was just I was talking to the wife and talking to talking to the Sean and Paul a little bit about this, of just standing back and realizing how small this world really is. I mean, just look at, you know, my my conversations with dual bowl, you know, um, you know, uh, literally if you would have told me that I was going to be talking to, um, to a project creator that Kickstarter went out and found and, um, and is from, you know, all, you know, on the other side of the world, basically, you know, um, over in Baghdad, I just, I'm sorry, over in Kuwait, you know, I just would have been like, what are you talking about? You know I mean? I don't know. I just I guess I didn't imagine when we started this project, uh Sean, Paul and myself that we were going to be, you know, at this point it would have taken off like it's done and it's really just been I mean, I'm just I'm just giddy about it. You know, I really truly am and I'm excited to keep the the episodes coming. So so with that said, this is a great opportunity to make sure you go tell a friend. Um, you know, tell somebody uh that you you enjoy this podcast. We get into more stuff than just crowdfunding. We get into entrepreneurship. We get into life hacks. We get into, you know, vulnerability and what it takes to, you know, to put yourself out there in the world. So we talk, again, we touch on a lot of topics on this episode and um, I'm, I'm just kidding, man. Episode 100. Yeah. We just got to, we just got to do like 800 more. That's all. Not, that's not bad. That's totally achievable. Just got to do 800 more, you know? It's one step at a time, right? Just one step at a time. So what is going on here outside of that? Well, let's see here. Tonight is a big night. We're going to go to the Demolition Derby in Monroe County. That's right. We're going to go watch cars crash into each other. So I got to go to 7-Eleven. I got to get my big gulp. Um, I need to get uh, some Mellow Yellow in there. And then I need to get some bandanas. Um, I might, maybe i wear my, I might wear my Brett Michaels t-shirt tonight and we're going to go watch some cars crash into each other. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to go back to your roots, right? Sometimes. And I'm going to take, and I'm making the wife go so that she's miserable and my daughter's going to go. So she'll probably be miserable. So that's always something, but my son will like it. Right. You know, my son will like it. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe we'll get some carny food, you know, maybe, uh, maybe an elephant ear, mm, maybe a lemonade shake up. I don't know. I don't know maybe the night gets really wild and, uh, and I get some fries, you know, maybe put some cheese on them. I hope you guys aren't listening to this before lunch. I might be getting, making you get hungry thinking about all that crappy food I just mentioned. Right. But yeah, so that's going to go down tonight. And, um, you know, had, had, again, had, had a big, big, nice weekend here. We had some, uh, we we had a little family party over, I'm sorry, friends party over at a friend's of ours. And, uh, you know had a nice moment there so we've had a lot i mean this summer has been pretty jam packed with just fun activities i mean uh, again it's just kind of reflecting on how strong this community is and what what can happen when you uh when you really open yourself up and be a part of it and and i only say that because it's it's still such a wall i see project creators kind of you know getting themselves stuck behind of not putting themselves out into these communities, right? So again, if you have a product for the fishing community, you got to go be a part of the fishing community, right? You got to go out there and talk. So I, I mentioned this sort of real life, well, maybe real life is the wrong term, but these, um, these, these small local levels that you can do in terms of being a part of the community, only to kind of reflect the same mindset you need to have on the bigger picture. And then when we talk about, you know, what I'm kind of reflecting on in terms of the podcast, just how many people I've talked to, right? So not only just 100 project creators, but that's somebody on almost every continent, I think, outside of, like, Antarctica. I, I mean, I've yeah, I think I've talked to somebody. I'm just going through some simple notes here in my head, but I think I've gone through... Yeah, I think I've talked to somebody on every continent. At one point, we had a client on every continent outside of Antarctica, you know? It's like, come on, you know? So when you when you kind of see that sort of stuff, you start realizing... Even if you're only impacting, let's just, you know, a hundred people, those hundred people are everywhere in the world. We are global. And you have to think about that sort of stuff when you are approaching what your project can do. And we're going to get into that with my conversation with Adrian, because they are over in uh, over in Germany. Um, and, you know, we had to have a, a, a conversation about how do you start a company that's instantly global and, you know, with languages and currencies and shipping and and, and you really kind of have to. You really have to think about that as you're kind of growing a company. So, again, one of the reasons I think Woodshed has been successful in the last 18 months is because we opened up the possibilities of not just being a company, um, you know, just inside of, of, you know, Michigan or Detroit or Chicago or L.A., we said, no, 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 we're going to be a global company. We're going to take calls from everybody in the world. We're going to, you know, work hours that reflect that, you know, our clients in Australia, man, if I got to be up at three in the morning, I got to be up at three in the morning. That's what the job is. So, so I think all that stuff is important to kind of think about, um, you know, if you personally are going out to impact your community as well as, you know, then trying to impact communities that you want to ultimately put your product in front of and, um, so on top of that, then, then start to think about the funnel, right? I, I've been talking about this a lot. This has been my kind of my new, uh, my new hook that I've been on lately is just continuing to think about the funnel, right? Top of the funnel is all about awareness. And awareness, it can be so many things right now. That's the other thing, right? Awareness. That's a Twitter post to a blog post to a podcast you're on. You are featured in a magazine, PR, a TV interview. All that stuff is just awareness, right? Just getting people to at least know, hmm, I know Jeff Wenzel from Witch Agency. You know, that, yeah, that's, and that, right, what I just described right there is literally 99% of the battle because we live in such an attention driven economy. There's only so much time in the day, and you are competing with the best of the best. We're, we all have the same tools, right? Um, so after you get past the awareness of your funnel, then you can, then you have the ability to educate people why your product's better than X, Y, and Z, why, you know, why what you're doing is way amazing and what they're doing sucks, you know, that's where you get in that point of educating. And even that, you know, what I'm describing may not be exactly correct. You may want to just describe with just great content, right? Um, hence how we do something here in Woodshed. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're, you're kind of in our education portion of this. You've already gotten past awareness. You've gotten into, you know, me telling you what I'm talking about right now. And then at the bottom of the funnel, that's where you get into soft selling. That's where you get into converting people. That's where you get you know, somebody to go, yeah, I'll give you 100 bucks for that, or I'll become a Kickstarter backer. So often we see um, project creators driving cold traffic from Facebook just to a Kickstarter page. And what I have to come back and say to them is, well, that's you, know, that's you driving somebody right to a sale. And that very, very rarely happens. Um, and you have to continue to think about that. Awareness is the top of the funnel, educate is the middle and then soft selling at the bottom so hopefully that sticks with you guys but um, alright so let's go ahead and kick my conversation with Adrian from Airpack. let's go ahead and kick off episode 100 um, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it and Adrian I thank you, thanks again for taking your time on your day because it was a great great conversation and I really enjoyed it so alright guys here's my conversation with Adrian from Airpack.
1: feel like a party. All right, Adrian, the
0: red light is on, it is podcasting time here So let's start off with a quick sound check uh, Just to make sure everything is sounding good for everybody So what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, this morning I had scrambled eggs and the toast Nice, anything fancy in no those scrambled eggs or did you, did you just go traditional?
2: No, I just, I just went full traditional, no time for okay, fancy nice.
0: <laughs> No time for fancy, no peppers in it, no mushrooms, nothing like that?
2: Oh, pepper is fancy, oh, okay
0: I, I, don't I don't know. know. I, I can't think what else might be fancy in it. I mean uh <laughs> salmon, maybe some poached salmon. That might be extra. Fancy. No,
2: no, no, nothing fancy, nothing fancy. Just uh all
0: right. now are you a hot sauce user on your eggs at all? Just some pepper, what would you like? Not on all it? at
2: all. No, wow, you
0: would you went straight salt up and, eggs.
2: Salt and pepper, you know, like uh no. Awesome,
0: awesome. Well <laughs> I think I think we're sounding good. I think uh that, that, that should go good for everybody. As long as you're hearing me, I hear you. So I think we're uh we're uh, ready I'm rock okay
2: with uh, with uh with the talking continue talking about my breakfast that's completely fine Good, yeah, boring we'll at some point though
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we do 40 minutes of, of uh, how you made your eggs
2: so. oh yeah your podcast will explode for sure
0: <laughs> exactly exactly it's well, a promise. Cool. Well, yeah. yeah well let's jump right into it so why don't you tell my listeners what you are raising money for over on Kickstarter right now?
2: All right, so what we are raising money for is a backpack and not a normal backpack. It's an upcycled backpack that we produce um, from old and scrapped car materials. So, more specific, we produce it from airbags, seat belts, and, and the buckle. So, you can really see. Cool. Um, What's it you called? You can see that it, it's called AirPack. AirPack with a P A Q in the end. Nice. Because we like the Q. The Q is really, really cool. Always <laughs> a good reminder. <laughs>
0: Well, it looks good with the P and the Q like in the middle of it, right? It yeah, looks like symmetrical <laughs> in some weird way. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. So, where does this idea kind of originate from? I mean, obviously, I mean, watching the video, it's just it's like one of those no-brainers. But how how did you kind of take this idea and run with it?
2: All right, it started all um, my 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 maid and me. We uh, we studied together. Um, entrepreneurship in rotterdam and it was actually part of our very first course it was a course that was called opportunity creation and uh we we just had to come up with business ideas constantly a lot of things and at some point we had uh, a an assignment was called the effectuation assignment so you should basically go with whatever you have and try to start something. And we figured we were poor students and we had nothing and we had some sort of interest into doing something creative with used materials. So we just went to a scrapyard and over there, the guy was really friendly so we could just walk through it. And we we saw an airbag and basically this airbag already looked like a backpack and this material right. was just really cool and then we went ahead started prototyping, we had no clue about sewing whatsoever. We just <laughs> bought a needle in, in a shop and I think my, my, my thumb was so bloody afterwards but um, we created something and then we showed it to our classmates and they were all very uh, excited and then we just went on. you know, we, The entire mastery kept on working on it, on improving it and making a business plan so So it's really a university project that now comes through Kickstarter into life.
0: That's great. So, you know, how does kind of the university there support this sort of procedure outside of like the class and stuff? I mean, it sounds like you have opportunity with great resources and stuff like that. You know, how did you feel kind of going through this process and how does the university really help elevate this idea into what it is now?
2: Well, they were really inspirational, I could say. There was no like resources that they would give us, but it was really inspirational. And they had a lot of, you know, they they introduced us into a lot of concepts that we also used, like a lot of bootstrapping things we could do. And also, which was just super cool is that we could use it over the course as assignments, you know, like it was Mm -hmm. never that it was, it was always we got our credits for this, you know, so we got already paid in, in, you know, education and credits, which was really cool. Um, but, yeah, I think it was really, it was in the in the beginning, we didn't even need much resources. You know, we had the airbags, we had the material and we could just like go ahead and design, you know, like right on and mm-hmm. try to sue. And then we, we went to a pawn shop and, and bought a very cheap sewing machine because 10 bucks <laughs> and, you know, like watch YouTube videos that <laughs> explain how to use those sewing machines it was really ancient one, you know, like one of those singers that you still have to operate by hand. Yeah, and it was uh, it was a good time, and we really started, you know, picking up how how to how to do things. And if you go to our website, you can even uh, I think it's on about us and story. There's a, like a little timeline where you can see how the prototype evolved. So it's really interesting. Maybe if you want to awesome. check this out,
0: yeah. Awesome. And, and did did the university like plug you in, in, into any sort of like incubator <clears throat> programs or anything like that 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 also helped you? Well, that put
2: us uh, in contact with a lot of people. And I think we could also... I mean, it was based in the Netherlands, and we both are not Mm -hmm. Dutch, so... It was, we went there for education, but we didn't really want to stay there afterwards. Also, because it's just super expensive, you know, at some point. uh, If you want to make a startup and if you really want to bootstrap, you, I don't know, right now I live at my parents' place and my colleague lives at his parents' place. So it's also to to save money until the point where you actually earn money, you know? And what they did though is they put us in contact with people that already had successful startups who we were in the center of entrepreneurship and we could, you know, like had, we had a lot of advisors and, and that, that was really cool. So that helped as well.
0: That's cool. So where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in Germany, in Cologne.
0: Okay. And, and, and what did like, like, what did your parents do or what did they do? What, you know, <clears throat> what's kind of your environment like?
2: All right. My environment is, um, both of my parents are musicians, classical musicians. Yeah, so it's a very creative environment. So it's sort of an artist's house. I'm the only one who decided to study business. (laughs) So, like, I I did play instruments, but uh, becoming a musician wasn't for me. And then I went to business school. At first, I did this really dry and boring stuff. And then at some point, I figured that there is something creative in me that I need to, you know, like... that I need to express more, and that's why also I decided to go to the creative side of, of business, you know, the entrepreneurship, mm. the coming up with ideas. And I think this is really what uh, what I am, and uh, it's really cool that I found this niche. And, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, that sounds, I mean, it sounds like you and I are speaking, uh, we come from the same uh, same sort of tree there where uh, yeah. I had recording studios throughout the United States. I played in bands for 20 years. Yeah. I still do live sound for big churches here in the in the States. And, uh, I just pushed that into the creativity of like projects and, and startups. And, um, so, so, I mean, is that what you probably saw too? Just kind of saw that, like, I mean, I think every musician has a touch of that entrepreneur spirit, you know, it's just not entrepreneurship, it's just learning an instrument, learning a craft. So is that what you saw? And they wanted to just take, take that part of it.
2: Yeah, I think part part of it, for sure. Like, at one, one point is that it, it has this entrepreneurial process, maybe, but also, I don't know, it's, it's just a very creative thing, you know, like playing an instrument or painting or something like this. And if you look at the normal business world, which is, like, just about making profits and uh, numbers, 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 and I think I went a bit out of this, and I wanted to, you know, have this inspirational and creative freedom. So, I mean, what where, yeah. where else can you just say, okay, now I'm going to, study business and what i actually learned most is suing (laughs) my master i think designing and suing is what i learned most and uh, in the end i studied still a business master which is really funny
0: that's great well that's intriguing on the design factor this because these bags look so sleek so you know so where does that portion of this business kind of start fitting into it where you know design is such a major major portion of it
2: yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, it's it's all a process, you know. In the beginning, we just had the idea that we thought we thought the material was really cool, and we just wanted to do something. And then, if you start doing something, I you, you probably know. You, at some point, it, it really grows on you, and and this you 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 become sort of perfectionist. And this is how, also like how it was with the design. Like, if you look at the process, how the prototypes evolved, it, it changed a lot. And then you have to be very open to feedback. So that's what we did as well. And one part is also that I must say that my designing or sewing skills were pretty limited. So, for example, the roll top of the backpack was actually something that I uh, figured as a good solution because I wasn't able to make a a cool, um, you know, like this classical backpacks that have like, how is it called, a flap. And right, I just right. wasn't able to do this. So uh, that's why we, we started doing a roll top. So it's, I don't know, like the design was completely, um, was completely uh, random, I think. It,
0: and well, we that, got that's really lucky, maybe. Yeah, that's an intriguing thing that you just mentioned because we talk about that a lot on how sometimes your weaknesses start to become your strengths in some of this stuff. So like, you yeah. know, when, when when clients come to me, all of them say, I can't do something, right? They're, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I, I don't make videos. I'm not good on camera. I don't do social media, whatever it is. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but that honesty, if you're just open and honest about it, you're gonna relate with somebody and that's your starting point where you actually start getting good at this stuff. So I always, you know, I even think it comes from the musicianship world, right? So, you know, so I'm a guitar player, and I'm just not good at playing fast solos, right? So I just became a rhythm master, man. You put me next to a bass player and a drummer, and I will chunk out for like three <laughs> hours straight, right? Like, you know. So you just start, you just find, you know, you just pivot and make make what you can do work for you. And I think that's I, I can totally see what you're saying in there. I bet it was tough to make that, you know, that design that some probably seamstress who's worked fifty years could do it tomorrow but for you yeah. and now all of a sudden you've got kind of like a signature look so i think that's awesome about how you kind of pivoted stuff like that so you know as you're kind of putting this thing together what in your business plan speaks to like the um you know to the side of using recycled materials and the environmental kind of side to your business plan i'm, I'm assuming there's something in there about that
2: yeah, yeah for the entire concept <clears throat> yeah. i mean that was really important to us to not only create a product because we thought it's it's a fun story, but also, of course, it was important to have a, a product that actually ha- picks up on this, you know, like this um, sustainable um, branch because we think for one part it's really important and also what I think is it's really cool to show that there, you can actually make products from something that, But it looks so cool that you wouldn't even you wouldn't even notice, you know, like or Mm -hmm. you would notice, but you you wouldn't say that it's sort of a comprom compromise. Like right now, if people see the backpack with the buckle, they they all absolutely love it. They think this is basically like a a symbol of it, which which they with it which they think makes the the backpack look really cool. And I mean, this is this is what I think if, if you if you manage to create a product that. You know uses this as strength, then you have actually the the possibility to to make something sustainable and for us, it was really important and of course, we also want to address those customers so customers who who think that uh, who care a lot about the environment and who think that this is a cool symbol and this is a cool product, obviously those products become more expensive because for us it's just much more work than for regular backpacks i mean what we have to do is we have to wash them we have to cut the airbags we it's kind of like leather production you know they're they're all Mm -hmm. a bit different and then you have to figure out how to to cut the piece out of it so it's it's not you always have to do it by hand so the process is getting a bit more expensive and so we try to put this in our our business plan as a strength you know that is a sustainable product and also it is a very uh, unique product because all those airbags are a bit different and it's not a a perfectionism product like uh, typical industrial products you have some sort of differences in all products, and we, we use this in our business plan actually as strength, or what we also want to sell to our customers.
0: That's interesting. And, and, and how do you work with the sourcing of materials to keep consistency inside of your brand? It seems like that could be a big, big chunk of your work.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's on, on one hand the materials. They, if you look at them in the first place, they have all different shapes, or they have maybe a sewing pattern somewhere that others don't. But in the end, it's all made from the same fabric or like slightly different fabric. But so if, once you start processing it, the brand, the, the backpacks will have this sort of brand touch. There's just really little details, like sometimes you know seat belts. I don't know if you are now familiar with a lot of seat belts, but Sometimes you have like little stripes on the seatbelt. Sometimes they are, they're all plain. Sometimes they're shiny. So those are the difference that I'm talking about. It's not like the right. the, the, the entire backpack looks different. It's just those mm-hmm. little details, you know? Yeah.
0: Right, right. That's cool. And and then in, in this sort of business model, and when maybe when, in your business classes and talking to a maybe possible investors, stuff like that. What does scale look like in this sort of business model of resource of of sourcing materials like this?
2: So <clears throat> to scale it with the material, what we are doing for now is we cooperate with a lot of scrapyards, which is at some it's really exciting you know it's really cool for the story and um but its it's, it's at some point it's diff- uh, difficult to 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 have a lot of um, consistency there. so what we will try to do and also what we actually already um you know, we already almost successful, so we'll see how this turns out in the next weeks. Is that we will make, we'll, we'll try to cooperate as well with, um, with factories that actually produce automotive, like of the automotive industry that produce things like airbags, because we know that there's a lot of, um, waste in their production as well. You know, those items are secu- for security and, I mean, they have to be always perfect. Or oh, you know, in the states, there's now a big scandal of Takata, right? So, or it right, was right, like yeah. one, one month or two months ago. And what they had to do is now they they had to throw away fifteen or I don't know how many thousands of airbags. If we could get our hands on those, then our mm-hmm. supply would be, you know, would would, would be, be good set. for the next uh, would be set for the next twenty years right. probably. Right, so and that's probably the, just sitting
0: uh, in a uh, warehouse somewhere. You know, like yeah, just sitting in some yeah, warehouse and, and, and that's the thing, like
2: yeah. We got to try to to make this happen somehow. But we thought to actually cooperate with such huge companies, I mean, they're their, their corporations you need to show them at least something you know you need to show them well here this is uh, our kickstarter product project we raised i don't know how many thousands of euros and we sold already so many backpacks so that they see okay this could become a partner in the future this could maybe be good for our corporate social responsibilities so that they are willing to cooperate with you so that's what we right. try now you know like we we try to grow and once we reach a point where we can actually start negotiating with bigger companies, then we try to get those materials. Because in the end, bottom line for the environment, it will be it will be the same. You know, like we will still recycle. Uh, it might be even more efficient because you know, like then we could take uh, I don't, I don't know a thousand times this airbag, and then we know exactly how to process this. But like for for this is how. how This is how scale looks. Like if we now start scaling up, this is a a thing that we can do and I think there's a lot of material actually that we could could get.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Are are there any issues and this just popped in my head a minute ago, um, with like patents and IP like on the belt buck or not at the belt buckle, on the seat buckle, right? Like, you know, is there anybody that pops up and says, Hey, that's my design. I only designed it for this kind of car I don't want you using it on backpacks. is there anything like that that you see as a possible like blocker at some point?
2: so sometimes they have little logos, and then we always try to get rid of those so uh-huh. for example sometimes there's a little logo of of the manufacturer and that's what we're doing, but then in the end those those uh, items they look all the same like uh, not all yeah. like not the same same, but there's no huge difference, and I would highly doubt that this would be. Problematic. I mean, we did a bit of research, and so what our research came up with is that, for one thing, it's not reu- it's not used for the same purpose. So it's not car safety industry. Also, we are not copying it; we're just reusing it. So we are not building other buckles, right? We use the same sure, buckles. Sure. Right. So there's there's the difference. If we now would start copying, I don't know, a BMW buckle and install this to our backpack, then that might be a problem. But since we're actually using those. Uh, Buckles there. There is no 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 problem related
0: to it. Well, interesting, interesting. So you know, le- since you've got a successful campaign going on, and that usually means lots of emails and lots very busy time right now that you're in. Um, are there yeah. any like like tools or tips or techniques that you do personally to help you kind of maintain the busyness that is uh, the middle of a Kickstarter?
2: Um. There's no real tools that we use. I mean, it, maybe it's also, also because we, we are, like, the two of us right now, we we can still handle it. The questions, uh, for for some reason, we don't get, like, uh, thousands of questions every day, which is which mm-hmm. is a good thing, I think. But this may, might also be because our product is kind of you know, it explains itself. It's a backpack, you know, and then right. we, we say it's made from this materials, but then, I mean, what, what kind of million questions are you going to ask? So there's, of course, always some th- some questions, and we try to we have like we actually just use Google for this we have a a google a Google Drive, and there we have like Google sheets and we just always type uh the newest things and we both can check so this is right now our mm-hmm. system but I, I bet this could be optimized for sure
0: <laughs> that's cool and how about <laughs> how about for like you just personally is there i mean you know the entrepreneur ups and downs can be you know mentally very challenging for some people, you know? So is there anything that you do just, I don't know, whether meditate or always eat a breakfast like we talked about earlier, or, or is there anything like <laughs> that, that that you do, that just things that makes you a good entrepreneur? Um, I think
2: what what I always try to do is, you know, to not make work your all and everything. So it can happen that I, I work for, I don't know, 10, 12 hours straight, but I always need to do something that counts me down something that is uh, that is just for me and right now I do a lot of sports I just go I just, I just say beat it now I I need I need a break um, I'm just going to the gym mm-hmm. and or I just go for a run so this is what I do in a moment but obviously right now it's a super stressful time because of the Kickstarter campaign and before that it was a uh, before that it was more relaxed for sure because it was just mm-hmm. the two of us uh preparing everything and uh, if i said i need a day off now to calm down or something then uh, we could just do it but right now i think sport is what helps me to you know have a be of have something to calm me down have something yeah to help i hear me
0: you i know. got i have uh, i got some softball tonight i gotta go play uh in a couple oh, hours. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. So let's flip over to the actual Kickstarter, which is why we are on the old uh, podcast today. So, All right. um, so your campaign, you got 15 days to go. You're at, I'm looking at in U.S. dollars, so uh, you know yeah. you're around sixty thousand. So you've had a very successful campaign, got over three hundred and eighty some backers. Which I mean, these are these are great numbers for a for a startup here. Um, and, and again, still with with a couple of days to go. What made you decide to go and use crowdfunding to to get this product launched?
2: All right, so for us from the beginning on it was really important to bootstrap everything. So we we said we said this is really something that we can pull off without investors. We can just, you know, like we live at our parents' place and try to spend no money and obviously if you want to bootstrap then crowdfunding is the ideal solution. You know, you can just mm-hmm. bootstrap you can just raise funds and, and, and you know use this for your production. and uh, So this is a really, really cool aspect. But then also, we thought this Kickstarter is really, really cool to um, to also have it as a marketing tool, you know, because uh, people like to, to write about it. It's something, you know, you, you, you have more of an event when you create your, when you launch your product. So right. a lot of newspapers wrote about us now being on Kickstarter and then you you know we we also try to set our goal not super high so that it would become a success story very early in the in the newspapers you know we could say after 12 hours or what what was it i know 2 hours actually after 2 hours they reached their funding goal of 10000 euros so this is uh this is uh, this is what we did here and and i think for us the crowdfunding was really good as i said for one thing is uh, that we could get the fund bootstrap but also that we have a marketing tool because now AirPag is known in i don't know how many different countries we uh, yesterday i was sending some emails to korea Korea, to japan to the states to canada Mm -hmm. and you have this reach that you would never have if you would just launch right now here in germany then we would be very regional and this is really cool i think
0: yeah so you know you mentioned something interesting about that is um You know, that instantly you're almost a global company, right? Like (laughs) overnight, right? Uh, So, and and it's, I I get a lot of project creators who just don't think that way. They just think, oh, only people in Texas are going to like this thing. And I'm like... The the internet is everywhere, right? So, you know, is there anything that you did to kind of think that on that scale, think that big, think, yeah, I have no issue shipping this to Korea or whatever, you know, Um, you know, was there anything that you did just to prepare for that?
2: Um. Well, do you mean to prepare that we could actually sh- get the ship there, or to get yeah, the yeah, yeah, ship
0: there, there, have communication in multiple countries, time zone issues. I mean, you and I discussed off, off mic just the time zone yeah. issues, right? Like, oh, it changes. Oh, you guys are in summer hours. You're plus two. You know, uh, but you know, and, and for like my, I say this for Woodshed because this is a problem we did not expect. Is we are a global company. We thought we'd be a minimum, a, you know, a local or a Michigan company. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have any clients actually in, in my state. Like I don't have any. Like so. <laughs> yeah, should, I'm constantly you should make a local time week. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, so it's just a, a, a something that caught me off guard. I'm just wondering if 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 you maybe kind of thought about this a little bit more. And obviously, with you being from Germany, you have maybe a maybe a, maybe you have a different approach to the world. You know, just um, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I think if you if you decide to make a Kickstarter campaign, and particularly if you decide to, to do this from Europe, then then you you gotta it's it's almost certain that you have will have uh, international customers because I don't know like Kickstarter here in Europe. It's you know it's known, but it's 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 still like some sort of niche. I would say people mm-hmm. who you know like startups who have something to do with entrepreneurship they know it, but I don't know the, the culture here is a bit different, and and so the main I think the main market for Kickstarter is still the, the United States probably, and yeah. um, so that's obviously we 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 knew that this is going to happen. That's why we. Had our uh, website written? down, We had our website uh, immediately in English, and then actually we started the translation in German. Also, in, on our Kickstarter page, everything is in English and not in in German or mm-hmm. Italian or whatever. You know, like uh, so. That's for sure one thing: the language that we we tried. So we always, we tried actually from the beginning on to be a multinational country a corporation, kind of. You know, like we 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 have a, our corporation language is English, and, and then we. Um, I think this is one thing that we prepared for, and obviously, for before the Kickstarter campaign, what you do is like you need to see what countries could be interested, in, and then we checked how can we ship there because this is something that you always always need to consider upfront: shipping costs, like um, yeah. how much are you ship? How much does shipping cost to Korea? How much does it cost does it cost to mm-hmm. to the states? And what countries do I? What countries do I actually? get real shipping prices and for what countries I I put this, we have this rest of the world kind of shipping, you know, and I think most of the times we actually will pay more than that. So now it's at uh, 35 euros. So that'd be like $40. And I think if you ship, for example, from Germany to Australia, you will probably exceed this. But, you know, like you need to make an average. And also we thought, for example, for the U.S., we will pay more. We won't pay pay more for the shipping that we actually get from from backers. And but we thought we can also split this cost. You know, like we love sure. if people in the states buy our products or if people in Canada buy our products. Um, but we know that the the shipping cost is just really high. So we, we kind of try to split this. You know, like meet in the middle mm-hmm. somewhere. So that's what we. That's what our international preparation was. about. <laughs> that's and, cool. I mean, on Kickstarter, it's really easy. You know, everything is set up. You have your mm-hmm. communication yeah. platform.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it does make it easy. Uh, Some of those tools weren't around in like 2012. We 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 ran into some shipping issues on a uh, client a long time ago because they just Kickstarter evolved. You know, it was at that time it was a lot of spreadsheet stuff back uh, back in the early days of Kickstarter. But what um, what was kind of the overall marketing plan or or um, you know approach that you guys took before launching the campaign?
2: Um. Okay what was really important for our product is telling the story so if we if it wasn't for the story it would be just a normal backpack and uh, so we wanted to make sure to always tell our story which is on one part the materials we use but also that it is a student project and it evolved in that kind of way uh, so that we really outsiders we're not like a fashion I don't know, fashion corporations that that launch a different product. So that's something, that was our main messages that we wanted to, um, yeah, that we wanted to transport. And what we, we did is we did a lot of Facebook commercials, for example, and we did also some offline commercials. So we tried to give a couple of friends already some backpacks before the Kickstarter so that they would walk around and or even flyer, you know, we have mm-hmm. flyers printed on seatbelts as well and they give out a, put in the university so this is something that we did and i think one thing that was really cool for us is we we connected the kickstarter lounge with an event so what we did is we we were here's a thing that's called the well it's called the berlin fashion week you may have heard of that and the berlin fashion week itself has a, a smaller um fair that is for ethical fashion and right when we launched our Kickstarter, we were also at the ethical fashion show. And this was really cool because at some point uh, at one point we had already a lot of context, we could make a lot of context from the industry, but also a lot of newspapers would write about it because of that. you know like it's a, it's cool. a main main, main event in, in Berlin and so they're going to this event and then they pick up like three to four, brands and they talk about it and we were very often among it you know like because they just loved the story and our product was was so unconventional also we were pretty unconventional we didn't know we didn't really know what a affair is and we just went there with some you know some props we had, we had like a steering wheel and some airbags um, i think we have one picture on instagram that you can see where where we are in front of our little six square meter stand and there we could make a lot of marketing, you know, like the, the journalists would write about it. Uh, we had bloggers writing about it. And so that was really cool. But then Great. even people walking by our stand say, this a really cool product. And we just say, "Hey, back us on Kickstarter. We gave them flyers. And I think mm-hmm. some of them did. And uh, way, way before this, we started uh, opening when we had actually our, we had a landing page on our website, I think three months before the Kickstarter launch. Uh, where we already introduced our product a bit and had a newsletter and we also made a little um, lottery so if you'd sign up one day before the kickstarter campaign we'd, we'd make a lottery and we, we find like three winners that we would send the backpacks to and this helped us really to give an incentive that people would actually sign up for our newsletter so that's the the other marketing thing we did but i think the the easiest one for us was the Facebook commercials, you know, or friends sharing it on Facebook for us, of mm-hmm. course. So that's how we could, uh, you know, spread the word. In
0: the was, was there any was there any sort of internal market or internal data that you were looking at to, to feel comfortable that you were ready to launch? Was there anything you were looking at like you just felt like, man, the momentum's great, or the fashion show that you were talking about? Was there any sort of data you looked at?
2: Well, we looked at how many newsletter signups do we have i think at this point we had like 850 which is which is all right which is not a lot a lot but i think uh, for a project like ours it's it's cool because you know like a backpack is more of an investment so we don't need super we don't need millions of backers but i think for us the biggest thing was the the fashion show because we had this as our you know we had this as our deadline deadline you know we also paid to get there so we we figured now or never you know and then we just went there and it worked out well i think so for for this uh but we are it's our first campaign campaign so it's it's really hard to to you know to look at data if you've never done this before and then say with certainty that this will be good now or not so i think at some point you shouldn't be too perfectionist about it you should just go ahead and, and and do it you know also with the with the <laughs> prototype, yeah, yeah. Well, I find so website, many people are in, you know? are in
0: perfection mode, you know. Yeah, the, and the perfection uh, mode, I think, it can just kill funny. you.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like when we did our website, I mean, we did it ourselves as well with uh, Shopify, mm-hmm. and. um we had like we had no clue about how to code or something, <laughs> right? And right. then we just we, we just went there and we you know we wrote some custom codes. If you Google can tell you everything, you know, and YouTube videos, and the website looked for, for us it looked good, wasn't perfect, but then we at some point we just and now we, we launch launched it and then we launched it and I think with all those you know milestones we did it that way. At some point you just make this, this you just got to make this decision and uh, trust your instincts as well.
0: Well, and it's working. So, and it's, uh, so yeah. did, the, did the university help at all with like the Kickstarter build-out or page or, or guidance at all through anything like that? Or was that kind of just, hey, go do this thing, see what happens?
2: The, the university didn't really help in the creation, but what they did is they shared. You know, They shared on their social media and they shared the, uh, in their newsletter. So that's what they did. They, they gave us a bit of a momentum. Yeah. yeah, but uh, with the actual design, I mean, in the end, it's maybe there's uh, there's universities that that have much more of a practical focus, but it was still like a theoretical um, master, and I don't know, like it wasn't like it wasn't that much of uh, I don't know, like guidelines in that in that regard. So they didn't really know. I think they don't even know how Kickstarter works. Right. Like, right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So in the next Let's see here We've got 15 days to go So basically in Like the next 30 days After all the money Comes in And you know Everybody's slapping High fives And you know Everybody's celebrating <laughs> uh, And of course Probably taking that One day off To uh, play some sports Or something To relax for a minute But what starts happening Right after that I mean What what starts your Production run When are people Expecting to get the bags What what starts to happen Behind the scenes <laughs>
2: Yeah, I wish I could say that we're just gonna go on a long vacation, but I think we we gotta we gotta start right away with our production. So what we do is actually we're flying um, next week already to our production site to you know have everything discussed because now we have uh, like some sort of an idea what quantity we we are going to reach. So then we just we're going to discuss with the people over there everything so that we have a. A good setup, and I think we uh, actually know that we have our production period in in August. So in mid August, we'll probably start with the production, and they put a lot of sewers behind it. So they should be they should be ready within two weeks or something. Oh, wow. um, so this is how the perfect way would would work. But then we have to 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 see if there's if there's troubles. So we. What we did in the first place, we said that we are going to ship uh, mid-October, November. You know, like we we Mm -hmm. gave us a bit more time to to have like a cushion. If something doesn't work out, then we need some more time. And our production partner is very flexible at the moment because it's off-season, which is really nice. So they have a lot of capacity, but at the moment there is not much work for them. So we we have a bit of a flexibility, which is super lucky. Usually it's not that way, so that's a that's a very big advantage for us. And um, yeah, what we what we are going to do then is also, I mean, we already started collecting materials. Uh, we have already a lot, so they can actually start producing. But we still need little things, you know. We need to we need to get more buckles, for for example. So we actually need to make a a great scrapyard tour to, to get some <laughs> buckles. <laughs> That's and um, I think we we're gonna hop on a transporter and then just drive around. That's cool. And That's then, cool. And try to get some buckles Yeah. <laughs> and then um, once once the production is gone we will we'll just start shipping right away.
0: Right. Think. Right. Cool. That's cool. So, in your mind, what does the next five years look like for AirPack? You know, what do you see? Where do you see the company going?
2: So. Our plan is with this money we raised now is to, you know, like professionalize everything. We want to we want to try to to obviously grow. We want to try to make more um, pop, uh, like commercials as well in in Germany to to get a bigger market share here. And then we want to start growing. We we want to hire people. We want to hire people who could design for example because I mean, for, for the start, it was really cool. It was really great experience to do it, but I don't see myself as a chief designer because it took us way too long. You know, like, right, right. in the end, it was uh, probably a year of designing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you, what you can do. Also, I think a lot of decisions, a lot of decisions, I don't know whether I actually have the expertise to do, like, what are the colors next year that we should do or something. So mm-hmm. we want to have definitely we wanna have uh professional people maybe we start with one designer and then we see how this goes. And then we wanna, you know, make more products. We because the material, the fabric is really cool. Like we can do a lot of different kind of products. We can make smaller bags. We can make we've already started with a, a wallet that we used for um, like a commercial or a promotional purpose. But you can really like Play around with all these material. I think a belt, a seat belt, and an airbag is just you know. There's a million opportunities, and we want to try to stay like a brand that does you know that does upcycling, that does sustainable products. But we want to grow our our products. We want to have products for for cheap, We want to have cheaper products because right now our backpack is pretty high end because it's it's just a really it's really practical and really really um really good backpack but I mean you could make simpler backpacks that are cheaper and that's also what we want to try. We want to make it more affordable and with quantity we can maybe also get better prices and then we want to also try to not only be online but also offline because I just, I don't know, like I I, I love going to stores and I think, I don't know it's in the States but in Germany there's still a lot of people who, who do that and who love that you know just walk in the center and check out the stores and we want to get into stores as well. And that's cool. Yeah, this is just the idea. And then in five years, maybe we we uh, we have a great running business, and we can uh, can make make a living with it. That's actually what's uh, what's our main goal. this year. yeah.
0: That's cool. That's exciting stuff. And and how about that same sort of question? Like for you personally, like do you see yourself starting multiple companies, like or or just working on one? You know, just kind of daydreaming a little bit but like what 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 do you see for yourself um as you grow as an entrepreneur
2: you know like i thought this phase that we're doing now this entire product development and then starting the idea of of your company and uh i really loved that i really loved, you know like uh it was really exciting time and i would would love to do this uh i don't know one hundred times more often, and I think that at some point, um, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure I, I will try to keep on, you know, like working on Airpack and to try to, to make it a try to make it a, a cash cow maybe or something, you know, mm-hmm. and then you could go ahead and and, and try to make completely different projects. I also love. You know what this project t- showed me is that you don't need you, you don't need to need to be a designer or a sewer to come up with a with a cool backpack. So yeah, it's, it's, you just need you just need to believe in what you do, and you just need to take some time, and then I think then you can can manage a lot of things. And this is was really inspiring for me, and that's why I'm, I I want to be open minded, and maybe I don't know whatever. Maybe I do uh, professional scramble X or something in in ten years yeah. and that's cool <laughs> who knows? that's very
0: cool well, well where can people find more information about um, the airpack outside of kickstarter w- where can people you know dive into your guys' uh, world and, and your bubble
2: so we have uh, the website where you can go for sure Is uh, airpack.de which is uh, the German domain but it's if you go there it's in English um, so there we have a lot of more information on where we produce like we go going about you could read about our story like who we are how everything started, as I said, you can see the development of our design. Um, then you can see the production, like how the production works, what, our, what is important for us, like fair working condition, but also that um, environmentally everything is, um, is planned out and everything is going well. Uh, we have high standards on this regard, and there we explain, explain basically how we produce. Um, and then there's there's more information on on the material where we get the material from and and uh, what the material is actually uh, how the material looks and uh, consists of. And then you can also follow us on social media. We try to always uh, you know like give the latest uh, news on on our Facebook page on our Instagram page. So that's right now where we where we at. But we also we also have a Twitter account. But you know like I don't know for for some reason in Germany Twitter is really a uh, hasn't really picked up and uh, i really don't know how to yeah. use it it's
0: not just but, germany um, it's, it's, it's gonna... everywhere twitter twitter's i think on the way out i think that bird is, flying oh, is away. It? yeah it's, it's uh, a there i mean there's pockets that 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 does well in it but it, it's filled with bots and automation now and it's just it's just kind of a pond of just nothingness well so. but
2: you know it never picked up in germany <laughs> we <We're laughs> always we're always like uh five years behind i don't know right now snapchat is starting to to right now, Snapchat gets more popularity, and I think in the states everybody has Snapchat already, right? Like
0: yeah, and that's uh, but that went out after Instagram basically copied it, and then Facebook tried to copy all of those, so nobody uses Snapchat now anymore. So yeah, really okay. So that, uh,
2: you see, like we are we are now picking it up, and then we see it's already over. So.
0: <laughs> yep, that's,
2: so. Yep. That's how. It and works. then I think what we also want to do is we on our website we have the possibility to 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 write blogs. You know, to give the latest news via blogs, and I really want to do this, but right now it's just too much to do. But I think uh, when, once the campaign is is done, we'll we'll also try to to make content on that on that end for sure.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, Adrian, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Uh, I know it's busy. busy. Oh, yeah busy schedule to, to talk but i think my listeners are going to get a ton out of this information uh, out of this conversation what you're working on i think you've got a great great product here and i'm encouraging everybody on my in my all the listeners who i'm in their ears on to go check <laughs> this campaign out because it's it's really cool um and I, I i it's a great looking backpack so uh very cool job and uh congrats on the campaign and i wish you a lot of a lot of luck in the future
2: yeah thanks a lot thanks a lot it was uh really fun really fun awesome,
0: awesome. all right thanks so much man
2: no problem,
0: no problem. All right, how about that conversation with Adrian? I told you it was a great one, man. I'm really glad that that was episode 100. A um, lot of great, inspiring stuff in there. I, I personally feel, feel awesome. So I didn't put any music under this portion like I usually do because I wanted to give this song its, it's, it's due. Um, I kind of feel like this might be the one of the, probably my top five song that I ever worked on. Um, it it kind of symbolizes a whole bunch of stuff. Um, uh, in my life, and I thought I'd, I'd give it its due and let it just be able to be played on its own. So you guys have a, a you know, it's only a three-minute song. So I wanted, I wanted to have it just a moment. It's called Yesterday's Superstar. Um, it was wrote by myself and Jake and uh, Unique, one of my singers out of Chicago, and then uh, actually Lulu is the one who's performing it. So it kind of goes back some days. And uh, but I wanted to give it its due and, and have it be honest, have it have it live on its own, so you guys can enjoy it. So. All right, guys. I'll talk to you all later, and I hope you guys have a great last next couple days. I might actually have a secret episode that might come out. Um, I still haven't 100 percent sure yet, so uh, I'll let you guys know when that's ready to go, and that'll probably come out um, come out soon too. So, okay, guys. Let's uh, let's listen to the song "Yesterday" superstar featuring Lulu Doll on vocals. Here we go.
1: i <laughs>